0: Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 127. Today we're back with this month's edition of Making Good Book Club, and today we are talking about We Should All Be Millionaires, A Woman's Guide to Earning More, Building Wealth, and Gaining Economic Power by Rachel Rogers. If you haven't listened to an episode of Making Good Book Club yet, here's the deal. Making Good has a book club. Once per month, my brilliant book club co-host, Cheryl, and I discuss a book we think can help move the needle in your small business, and we share our takeaways specifically for small businesses. Today on Making Good Book Club, we're talking about We Should All Be Millionaires by Rachel Rogers. Rachel Rogers is an attorney-turned-business coach, and in this book, she not only shares about her story coming from not a lot of money growing up and her experience as a woman and as a person of color building wealth in today's society. No matter who you are, but particularly if you identify as a woman, a person of color, a queer person, or from another underrepresented group, you will learn something from this book. The beginning of the book is really all about why Rachel Rogers believes that we should all aim to be millionaires. There's a lot of good stuff, but essentially it's because whether we like it or not, money is power. One of the best ways of enacting change we want to see in the world is by having and using our money for good. In this book club episode, we talk about why Rachel Rogers believes we should all be millionaires, the power of building wealth for creating change, how to build a mindset for creating wealth the role of community and rising up, how to create your vision, how to build a million dollar mindset, the role of building a team, both at home and for work and so much more. Then at the very end of the episode, we announce our selected book for next month. So make sure to stay tuned for that. Just a quick reminder that if you want the updates on book club, you can sign up to get notified at making good slash book club. Okay, so let's get into this month's book club episode about We Should All Be Millionaires.
1: Sherelle, welcome back to Making Good Book Club. Thank you so much for having me back. I am, well, I mean, I say I'm excited every time, but I definitely am really excited to talk about this one today. Yes, me too.
0: So we're talking about We Should All Be Millionaires, A Woman's Guide to Earning More, Building Wealth, and Gaining Economic Power by Rachel Rogers. Um Yes. So much to talk about with this one. And it is a business book, but it's also kind of like a mindset, personal growth book. It's it kind of covers a bunch of different categories here. So Sherelle, if I said, what is this book about? How would you answer that question?
1: I would say it's about inspiring and helping you to technically work out how to start working towards building your first million um, for anyone who doesn't know, Rachel Rogers is like the founder of Hello Seven, which is a company that's all about making a million, hitting seven figures with your business. Um, and this book is definitely like I think her uh, like offering to the world to really be like, this is why like I she truly believes that everyone should be going after making a million, but then also gives you some information about how to do that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think so. There's an introduction, and then there's two main parts of the book, right? So there's The introduction, which is kind of like why this is an important thing to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I would love to dig into that a little bit. And then there's million dollar behavior and million dollar roadmap. Let's start with the introduction, which to me is like kind of defends her reason for writing the book. Like why aim to find, to get, to earn a million dollars or have a million dollar net worth and Why is that about more than just like greed, essentially, is what I felt like she was (laughs) defending in the introduction. Um, So what I love about this book, and it's in the subtitle, is that gaining economic power, is that she's really making the point that whether we like it or not, money is power. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the ways that we might want to change the world we can do best by having money, whether it's like donating to causes we believe in or setting our children and grandchildren up for financial stability or employing people that like a lot of the positive changes that we want to see in the world as like activists and as people um, who want to make change, that money is actually one of the best ways to do that. Whether or not we agree with that, like, (laughs) that that's how it should be, that that's how it is. Um, And so that's kind of, to me, like the basis of the defense of why she's writing this book. Um, And also, she also makes the point though, that like you're allowed to also want money for yourself and to like buy frivolous things and that's okay too. Um, So yeah, I thought, I think the title of the book is a little bit, it's a statement, right? Like we should all be millionaires. And so I think the introduction is, why everyone should agree with that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I
1: definitely see it as her putting out the world, like this is the reason why she has this attitude and this is why like that concept of, you know, we should all be millionaires has come into fruition. And for me, I think one of the biggest parts is it also talks about how like money gives people like power, autonomy, autonomy independence like make their own decisions and for me that's always been something quite important um I think as like particularly like this book is definitely like aimed at women and this idea that if you want to have choice over your life then having enough financial wealth behind you makes that possible and it really changes when you are dependent on someone that depends like it impacts how we make our choices and so for me that's one of the reasons why I think I'm really like on i don't know if i would say everyone needs to be a millionaire i think obviously millionaires really dependent on the country you're in um rachel is basically what the USA, mm-hmm. um but i do believe the reason for going for like considerable wealth i like i agree with where she's coming from mm-hmm.
0: yeah so let's dig into the first half of the book which is million dollar behavior what were your maybe we could just alternate some of our big takeaways from this part of the book?
1: <laughs> yeah. So this part of the book is I would say this, you know, um Lauren spoke about it being more like the personal development like bit of the book. Um I definitely really liked, I think, the stuff around like million-dollar decisions. So this idea of like how do we make our decisions? Are we making them from a point of like where we are right now and of quite often from a place of like scarcity and lack? Or whether are we making decisions that are really helping us to move closer to our like million dollar life really coming from in a place of abundance and I, I think I definitely as someone who has done a lot of money mindset work and has mm-hmm. really been working through that I definitely was someone who came from a very much a, a scarcity like mindset like really having just like some quite clear uh like <clears throat> alternatives that are in the book like it's actually tables like this is a million dollar decision this is not and like really being able to start to see that in black and white I found really helpful
0: Hmm. Yeah, and she has like a formula called the we well the W S A B M formula to evaluate decisions. Um, to like help you understand if you're making a million dollar decision or what she calls a broke ass decision. <laughs> Another part that I really liked from this first part of the book is the million dollar lies section, which I felt like just gave a lot of good history about why. A lot of women, a lot of people from underrepresented groups, people of color, queer people, like oftentimes we have this um, mindset around being bad with money or we're just, we don't feel like we're set up for wealth. And that's like kind of institutional. And a lot of what she shared isn't like specific to U.S. history, but. Um, You know, only in the last 100 years have laws been passed that support women's like economic autonomy. And there's still a lot of holdovers from history that make it really difficult for women, for people of color, for queer people, fat people, pregnant people to match what a white man is able to earn, Um, whether some of that is like built in structurally, and some of it's just kind of like related to the networks that we have and Mm -hmm. like other kind of societal things. So. The point of this section was like, it's not your fault, and you need to forgive yourself if you feel like you're bad with money. And just kind of like, it's not fair, but there are ways to work around the ways that it's not fair. And that's kind of what this book is all about. Yeah.
1: And I think it's also important in terms of like, we've not been able to like make the money, but also if then that money has not been in your life, to like, when people say like they're bad with money in terms of like managing it, it's like, actually, if you've never had that opportunity, what would you expect? If you didn't have that, like, from the generation above as an example of how to do it. People aren't just born knowing it and like actually for many people, this is a learned process. And if you've not been fortunate enough that that is something that just is in your world, you can do something about that to change that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I can talk about where you can change it. So one of the things I liked in this bit section was about like the real talk about the people around you and how they influence you. And she, Rachel talks about having a client who has this like annual friend review and I'm I, I love it that I'm this type of person that is like basically Rachel says that on the whole you know she really has to talk to clients about who they're surrounding themselves with and then this client was like well, that's not a problem with me because I have an annual friend review and every year I actually look back and like you know assess the relationship and make sure that I'm happy with it am I getting like the right energy are they still the right people for me is it you know a fair give and take and all that type of stuff and I just thought Like, it's so, like, clinical in a way, but I love it.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not surprised. That's so funny. I didn't even take notes on that. We always take away such different things. Yeah, that
1: Um, just was, like, I think it's because I am a big believer in, like, you are the average of the five people you spend the most with. Like, I think that quote has definitely been something I, like, swear by. And I think that can, when you come from a place that isn't a privilege, and so you can look at your circle and think, well, like, I don't have the examples I need around me. That can feel quite, like stifling i suppose but you can change that and i think that's the thing was actually we now more than ever we all do usually have the ability to change both the people around us and our environment and both those two factors play massively into the success of when you're trying to build money
0: yeah so this is in this chapter called Million Dollar Squad. And this is one of my favorite parts of the book, too. And one of the things I highlighted was she said, this is not something you want to attempt without a squad, which I really liked. Um, and, yeah, it's I think a big point I took away from this section was that networking is very gendered. Mm-hmm. So because of the network that we have access to, that cis white men will often have much better access, which creates like exacerbates existing inequality, essentially this networking um, wall. So the book is all about like con or this section is all about consciously defining that inner circle of people who you want to kind of rise up with. And her, I mean, I think one thing I liked about this section is that she actually provides some ideas of like how to not just like you should have a squad, but how to create and find your squad and her big, tip was to become a joiner, Mm -hmm. which I really liked, like be someone who signs up to join the program or starts a networking group or, you know, introduces themselves. Like you, I'm not sure she said this explicitly, but it's, it acknowledges that like there is some putting yourself out of your comfort zone here. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just going to be part of it. How, I'm just curious, this is a little bit out of the book discussion, but how have you done that? Like built that
1: squad? Um, well, actually, I would say that one of the other tips she talks about is creating your own community. And I always say, like, the journey I'm on with my life right now started around, like, 2015. And I had, like, drive to start reading personal development books and just, like, felt like I was meant for more and I didn't know how to do it. And I couldn't find other people that was really that like, interested. So I started a book club in person that specifically was for that. And I have people in my life now that joined in that first year. Um, hmm. And actually, I met a whole load of women over the last seven years that did eventually end up making me start like build this business and then I definitely was always a person who um people talk to me about being like a follow-up queen so I go to a lot of networking like in person and I follow up with everyone like people are literally like Hmm, oh how do you make my best friend I was like we went to this like event one rainy day just before Christmas and I was like and then now she's your best friend. I'm like, yeah, that's probably about true because I'm just one of those people that I'm just like, if I find someone that I like and I think that energy is good and I can see we're on the same page, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to stitch you like glue. I'm not going to let you slip through my fingers. <laughs> I love that. That's so great. Yeah, that's awesome. But one thing I do, I would like to bring up, um, obviously people don't, People might necessarily see me. So I am a black woman. And I think there's a section in this book which particularly spoke to me, which will obviously be different than Lauren, which was around like mm-hmm. not waiting for a white man to be your ally. And I think there can be a lot of the times when we are thinking about uh, like opportunities and we, you know, we feel so much that it's white cis men that have all the opportunities and have the privilege that you feel by moving into that circle, they're going to open up for you. And actually, she gives them quite, you know, like true stories from my own life about how that isn't necessarily true. And so it's not mm-hmm. like, don't have that as like, you know, like when we say to women, like don't have Prince Charming on your board is going to come and whisk you away. Also don't just think that like making best friends with a uh, wealthy white cis man is going to change everything. Cause it, it won't <laughs> basically.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So another part that I really loved from this first part of the book was about the million dollar vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the thing that I liked the most here was this exercise she suggests people go through of dreaming up your dream life, like allow yourself to really visualize what it looks like and then actually go and break it down into costs. So I want this kind of house and I want, um, you know, someone to come help me with my garden once a week and send my kids to this kind of after-school activities, like get super, super specific about what this dream life looks like break it down into a monthly cost. And then you actually, even if it seems very, very far away from your current reality, like you have something concrete to start from rather than just having this like very nebulous, um, you know, kind of vision that I don't know. doesn't really create any actual action. It's just like, feels very far away. So, um, I loved that exercise because she showed that like, when she did it, I think she needed to earn three times more per month than she <laughs> she was at that point. Like that's specific, you know, it's not like 50 times. Um, so.
1: And as you can yeah. imagine, of course, I love that bit. <laughs> I'm like, get the spreadsheet out. Let's calculate it. Great exercise. I think it's such a useful one. And actually, for anyone who's reading the book, and might be a little bit like put off by like aiming for a millionaire. Actually, this is a really good task because what you might do is honestly realise you don't need to be a millionaire for what your dream life is. But I think so Mm -hmm. often people have not put any actual financial numbers next to it, that it's just, it's just in fairyland. So it actually makes it something concrete. So you might turn out and say like, actually, you know what? 500,000 is all I need. That would be super sufficient. Or the reverse might be actually when you put it down, you're like, oh my gosh, I do need to be a millionaire. And previously you hadn't thought that. Like, I think there's things that we can all want in our life, but because we, it's not something we can achieve right now or something we think we've never even checked the price of it to realise how that is. And I, I think so often I talk to people and I, they realise they have no idea actually how much that life that they want costs because they just think it's far out of reach that they've done it so if there was i say no matter what you feel do this exercise (laughs) yeah
0: another point in this kind of same area was um follow your jealousy which i thought was super interesting and she says that like when you notice yourself feeling jealous like pay attention to that because that might be a signal of something that you actually really want Mm -hmm. um And so I just thought that was was such an interesting reframe of, like, I think jealousy we tend to feel like is, like, a very shameful thing. Um, Like, oh, you're feeling jealous. Like, you know, there's something wrong with you if you have that kind of feeling. But she really reframes that and says, like, no, that's actually something to pay attention to. And maybe that might be something that you want to add into your, like, dream vision or your dream life vision. So, yeah, I thought that was super interesting.
1: I think it's a real, I think it's a real, it's a strong emotion, isn't it, jealousy? So, you have to think, well, it's coming from somewhere. And quite often, I, I think sometimes when we're trying to like dream that next level, if you've not really spent a lot of time, you might find the vision bit quite hard. I naturally am not definitely a visionary person. Um, and I think mm. that having like be this thing about following your jealousy is also part about like trying to like listen to your inner self and like jealousy at the, end of the day still is an emotion and you're having a reaction to something from somewhere. So it can help you start putting the pieces of the puzzle together.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Anything else from this first
1: million dollar behavior section that you wanted to uh, I think highlight maybe the only other thing as well was just really to like there's a bit about like being her now and this idea about how it doesn't mean you're meant to be accumulating debt. And I think sometimes people there's a you know like people get confused by like act as if it's like don't go out and buy all these things right now like we're not telling you to get into debt but actually the more you start to really identify that vision the more you start to make decisions from and like trying to make the million dollar decisions rather than a broadcast decision, you'll start to be able to slowly like make these little upgrades um, and start moving in the right direction. And that that's the intention. And also you might realize there's things that make you feel like a million dollars that don't cost it. Like at, sometimes that's part of the process. As soon as you start to open up, you realize, Oh, a few things that I put on the list are totally achievable now. Um, and so you can start moving. It's a journey. It's not like today you're going to be this and then tomorrow you're going to be the millionaire.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess just now that I asked myself the question of what else to say (laughs) about this first half, um, boundaries is another topic that comes up in the first half of the book. And the fact that we need boundaries, not only at work, but also at home, there's a lot of talk in the book about how the vast majority of domestic labor, both visible and invisible is done by women. And, um, it actually takes like some pretty strong boundaries to try to create more equity in the home Mm -hmm. Um, and a big point she made was that boundaries must be not only set and not only communicated but most importantly actually enforced so if you set a boundary and you tell someone about it but then they notice that you're not actually enforcing it that does more harm than good essentially so the hard part of boundaries is not making them up it's actually like you know consistently enforcing them um and yeah that's that's tough for sure. And I, this is definitely something where I was like, okay, this is room for improvement for me. Like I'm not great at boundaries, but she made a pretty good
1: argument about why they're important. <laughs> yeah, she sure did. And I think that's, I think again, the whole thing about home life and care and like all those in- duties, like she talks about the reality of you know, that amount of time that you're spending obviously does impact the amount of mo- time you have left in order to be able to make money. So there are things to be looked at very carefully and, you know, really, I think we don't value enough all the work women do. And so actually by really trying to put some more value and importance and really look at that critically rather than just being like, it is the way it is. And that's why it has to be. Like, she's very honest about the level of support she has at home and says she couldn't make the money she makes if she didn't have that support at home. Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. So yes. Yeah. So this first half of the book is more sort of like mindset around money and just ways to kind of prepare yourself. And then the second half of the book, Million Dollar Roadmap, is about really doing the work of accumulating wealth and generating wealth. So
1: what were your big takeaways from the second part? <laughs> um so like million dollar, I think it's a bit about value and pricing. It goes across the two of them, which to me is about like the impact we have how we value ourselves and the impact that has therefore like on the pricing we have for our services and th- those two things together and i think it's particularly someone who isn't like providing a service and when you i i do exchange my time for money that can be mm-hmm. really <laughs> tricky that if you have like really been able to start to like value yourself properly to be able to price yourself properly um and rachel is known for being so her thing is just like double your prices double your rates which i don't agree with but um (laughs) i think there (laughs) is i hate this sort of like blanket no no nuance but Mm -hmm. i do really agree with this idea of like so many women do undervalue themselves and actually we can see very clearly in the world of work like the differences between gender pay and but we don't as business owners and entrepreneurs and i think that like it makes it a bigger issue because we don't actually even have any data half the time to really support us to be able to be like like actually this is a fair amount to charge and to like own that so i think all of the like the bits around just like trying to build your confidence to price yourself properly is really important lessons
0: yeah and on this topic she goes into imposter syndrome quite a bit which is when you feel like whatever you've accomplished or achieved, like that you didn't deserve somehow, or that you're a fraud and people are going to find out. Um, and she makes the point, And I think this is backed up statistically that imposter syndrome tends to affect women and especially women of color much more strongly than men, for example, white men in particular. Um, and so she kind of, she just says like, you probably, because of imposter syndrome, you probably aren't charging enough. <laughs> um, and so yeah, like the data shows that when women earn more, the world gets better. And so trying to kind of have this in your head as you find the bravery to charge more, I guess, knowing that like, if you earn more, things will get better, not just for you. I think having that top of mind is like a helpful mindset hack in in some ways, because it is something that women really struggle with is increasing their rates.
1: Yeah, and I think like in her business, she talks about how... Like she's also been able to do it for like as an employer. So how, you know, her making more money has enabled her then to be able to like run her company in a way that supports everyone underneath. Um, But she also does give examples of also if you're someone that goes to work, how you again, how you can actually like um be like negotiate your salary to try and make sure you're getting the most. So it's, it doesn't matter. I think in terms of just the message and the whole is just like most women are undercharging. Most people, women are undervaluing themselves. Therefore, W price. W <laughs> <Double your laughs> price. W <Double your> price. <laughs> um
0: another big takeaway I had from this section was about having a team. Mm-hmm. And this chapter did not go the way I really expected it to. I thought this was going to be about like a professional team, but I think a lot of this chapter was about normalizing delegating and outsourcing in your household and not just your business. Um She said, you can't do it alone, but I bet you'll try, which I got a little giggle out of, (laughs) um, which I totally related to. And she suggests that we spend the money that we're earning on buying back our time. And so her kind of first place to start with us is a personal assistant. Most people resist this idea of getting a personal assistant and feel like, you know, only the ultra wealthy do things like that. But, um, yeah essentially when you when you outsource or delegate the things that are like very far away from the high value add things like errands and grocery shopping and standing in line at the post office things like that like you get time back that you can actually use to either do things that are important to you like be with your family or you know generate income so Um, She made a very strong, long argument for (laughs) hiring a personal assistant, which was very effective. I was like, okay, okay, I got to talk to Kate. (laughs) Now I have some plans. Um, But I was was very persuaded by that. This is one of my like big, big, big takeaways from the book is like,
1: yeah, like outsourcing Home stuff, not just work stuff. Yeah. I mean, she does give 25 very specific examples of what you can outsource to a personal assistant. So it, I think, again, that can help if someone's questioning, like, well, what would they do? All of a sudden, mm-hmm. you can really see, oh, actually, if they did three, four, five of those things, you can really quickly in your head work out actually how much time you're going to get back for it. And I think, I imagine by the time you got to the end of the list, that, that's persuaded a lot of people to do it. Yeah me raising my hand
0: <laughs> well how did you feel about that
1: my thing is i i think i'm definitely like the type of person that does uh re- like is the resistor for sure and i think in terms of like having someone like doing all of that type of stuff i just feel a bit like ooh icky about it but i think it also just very much depend on your life like i am not the person like realistically how much of this book is also really for someone that is a mum and has got children um, yeah and therefore your time mean, is like looked at slightly different in terms of the level of responsibilities within, within a home. Um, as someone who's child free and partner free, my level of responsibilities is be quite different to who this mm-hmm. book is designed for. Primarily i right. designed for.
0: <laughs> yeah. But with the like resisting that, she, she addresses this a little bit and says, you know, hiring isn't exploitative if you're a good boss and you're yeah. like, you know, providing someone with a job and a good work environment. Like it's not, yeah. Cause I have that same instinct, but I, I think she's right that like, you know, no one's forced to work for you. And if you pay well and provide a good environment, like a good thing to do probably if anything.
1: At the end of the day, you're continuing. And this is the point, isn't it? She says, you know, if we make money, then we're able to use our spending power wisely. And that again is being able to help help someone else to make money because we're able to um, hire someone else. So it's it continues the journey of, of money. Totally.
0: Um. Yeah. And in this section, she talks like about the ultra wealthy, like celebrity wealthy level people <laughs> and like the household management managers <laughs> they have with like chefs and multiple nannies and drivers. And I was like, wow. Yeah. That was really, actually really interesting just for me just to see the way that like, people who go to the extreme of this like delegating their household what that actually looks like and it's yeah I didn't actually know that that really still existed to that extent you know like I thought that was kind of like I don't know olden days like people yeah. with butlers but I guess that does still exist for the ultra wealthy
1: oh yeah and I think obviously that as well is trying to like part normalize it and be like this is only what you're trying to do and get someone to do is it. just a slither of what is possible but also the reason why those that ultra wealthy are able to do as much you do like i think it's quite easy for people to look at you know really successful wealthy business owners and think like how they do it all and she's like they don't do it all that's the whole point mm-hmm. like they show up in their yeah. business and they show up you know they show up in the bits that need them and i think i'm not sure what section in the book rachel talks about how you know even her growing her team and realizing what she needs to do and which bits can be delegated it means like again, it's this thing about you really stepping into your superpower and letting everyone else around you do the things they need to do so that you can be there as wholly present as possible when you are meant to be working or like if you are spending time with your family, like we're trying to get rid of all of the non-essential activities essentially. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the non-essential and like I feel like also the things that actively fill us with dread or negative feelings yeah. or there's like a lot of them, like emotional <laughs> weight to some of the things that we... Like they just are silly, you know, it's like, I've been dreading doing this thing for six months and I'm behind and whatever. And like, we could just hire someone to do that. And I don't know, it would release a lot of emotion and anxiety and stress. And so I think, yeah, there's a lot to it that I'm definitely thinking about.
1: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> look forward to hearing your delegation stories of how it yes, I look forward to
0: delegating. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so another part of this section of the book was, I think, something we haven't really talked about yet, which is the fact that the most efficient way to accumulate wealth quickly is to be self employed. Yes. And for people who either, so, you know, most people listening are small business owners or aspiring small business owners, but they may have a hard time seeing how they get from where they currently are to, you know, having a million dollar business, for example. And so, what she asks us, asks us to think about is what could I offer the world that would be extremely valuable? Um, and she offers a few different ways of kind of answering this question. So, you can look at your career and like where have the highs been? Where have you? really been able to accomplish big things. Um, You can look for your zone of genius, which is a concept that comes from a book called The Big Leap, which we'll talk about more later today. Um, But there's a concept called the zone of genius, which is really like where you excel and thrive and like have kind of like a innate innate ability and passion for something. Um, What do people come to you for? And then you can also look at some of the different strengths assessments to see like, what are your natural skills um like there's a strength finder or a clifton strength finder colby and disc were the three she mentioned i actually haven't done any of them oh um,
1: whereas i'm the total opposite yeah. i've done cliff strengths formerly strength finder i've done my disc but i haven't done colby that's the only one i haven't done okay
0: what are your strengths finder
1: <laughs> uh testing me there i'm trying to think what they were yeah 'Cause my disc is um blue and yellow, which totally makes sense. The blue means the detail, hence why I like all the detail stuff and the yellow bit. That's what makes me show up and be fabulous. Um my streams, <laughs> I can't remember though. Yeah, that's quite bad. But um blue. are the blue and yellow. Is that why your brand colours are blue and yellow? No, that's actually just pure magical, genius called cool, um like coincidence. <laughs> that's amazing.
0: Um yeah, I haven't done any of them. So I'm interested now, but yeah. I thought that point was interesting because she talked about how when she did her CliftonStrengths, strength assessment, none of her main strengths are in execution and she's kind of like all visionary and how kind of having that realization helped her focus on, like helped her know the types of things that would be best delegated and the types of things that were really her you know, magic. And so I think that kind of information could be really powerful. So I was interested in reading that.
1: I tell people, I mean, I'm a big personality test person, but I think as business owners, it is really important because I think, especially if you're trying to make a million, when you lean into the things that are like natural for you, that are easiest for you, that it's just going to make more sense. Like so many of us are like trying to make money in a way that like is hard basically and yeah. it's like why actually if you look and like I <laughs> said particularly then as you start to grow it can be like you have to in the beginning do everything fine but it's like actually what would then make the most sense where can you put your energy and it just be the easiest it can be so you can really excel and then how do you get like complementary people so that even like stuff in terms of, like with Myers-Briggs like when you start building teams people are like I need to know if I know what you are, then I can make sure I'm getting someone else this other bit. It's very often you get someone that's like, you know, the visionary, the starter, and then the other person that's like a finisher, like every successful business needs a finisher. Otherwise it's pointless. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) And I think when we start our own businesses, we end up in this position of doing like all of the different tasks in the beginning. So I think, I feel like something like this would be really helpful in I don't know, just creating some direction for when the time comes to outsource and split the load a little bit with someone. Like, what are the things that you keep and what are the things that you don't keep on your plate? So, yeah.
1: Well, I look forward to hearing your results in the future as well. I feel like you've got a lot of homework from this book. I've got a (laughs) lot of homework, yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about million dollar systems. For me, this bit was quite like practical in terms of Mm -hmm. like just real stuff, just like actually track your credit score and what was the one like track your net worth? Like, I think I've been tracking my net worth maybe like two years. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's like loads of people have never done that. It's like you have, if you're trying to build wealth and you're not tracking it, it doesn't make any sense, but that's not a natural thing. Much more often we'll we'll know maybe possibly what's in our bank account, but that's a salary. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, you don't really know not look to all the moving pieces and i think that's the thing like actually when we look at people that are wealthy that is something they do so like yeah tracking your net worth talks about tracking your credit score and then talks about like incorporating your business and opening a business bank account and um those like types of things of like regular rhythms as well so like you talk about like checking your finances getting a bookkeeper like just getting like acting like you are what a wealthy person would do already because then you will see that all grow and it all becomes natural i think actually sometimes part of the resistance in trying to build more money is it feels so overwhelming and it feels like a different world but actually if you're doing all these things then it's just a slow progression and you're just making more Rather than thinking like i'm not gonna know how to deal with it and if you start now as well that's what helps when people talk about like learning to manage the money because it's not you've gone from nothing and then you've got loads of money you're trying to manage like you're managing it as your money grows so your skills can grow Mm -hmm. alongside that like growth of money income journey.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And she makes the point pretty strongly that this is not something to outsource <laughs> of yeah. all things. Like, you know, there's a lot that you can outsource, <laughs> but whether you like it or not, Like this probably needs to be something that you keep on your own plate, but she's really all about making it a positive thing. So she has this thing called, or this concept called money church, Mm -hmm. which is part of her program, but it's also something you can do on your own, um, where you spend 90 minutes of time each week, like really focused on money and the money you're making and kind of reviewing how the last week went. Um, She said she encourages people to use this time to make a list of 25 things you could do to make more money, which I thought was really interesting. But just kind of like, yeah, spending 90 minutes of dedicated time just thinking about money every week is something that I would guess the vast majority of people don't do anything close to. So that was really interesting to me and just kind of something to think about. And yeah, another thing to add to my list of homework is... (laughs) I don't do like I would say yeah I don't try to I don't get very close and personal with my um like ongoing finances I'm pretty aware like overall net worth and stuff like that but like I see some opportunity
1: here as well (laughs) yeah I mean I'm someone I like I have a lot of clients that are financial coaches like personal finances is you know after marketing business is probably my next biggest thing so I have Mm -hmm. had a ritual of like I do track my spending and I will sit down once a month and properly look at what's happened and what's and I like check my net worth on a monthly basis and stuff like that. And I'm like, I just, for me, I just think the more you can get used to your numbers and not be like scared about them and like just be open. um, That is the key to starting to grow them. Because if you just ignore them, actually, sometimes people are moving in the right direction, but they're just oblivious. So Mm -hmm. like awareness is everything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What gets measured gets managed. Yeah. Yeah. And then just there was a little note in this part of the book about debt and like not shaming yourself for your debt. Um, Understanding that if you have debt, like, obviously, the point is to get rid of it. But there's probably good reasons that you ended up there. And just to kind of like try to be neutral about it and move forward and um, do what you can to expand your income as a way of getting out of debt rather than like pinching every penny and skipping the lattes necessarily. Like she's really all about focusing a lot more on expanding your
1: income than shrinking your spending. Yeah, it's absolutely about increasing your income, which goes nicely onto finally a million dollars now where she talks Mm -hmm. about a challenge that she runs like in her community, which is about like making $10,000 in 10 days. And this idea of Mm -hmm. like having What's big, hairy, audacious goals that are just so large that you've just got to get in gear, <laughs> take mm-hmm. action, write down all those ideas, and put your whole like soul into it, basically, to try and make it work. And this is probably something that I should add into my homework list of like actually giving the challenge a go.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And she says, like, if for some reason that seems so out of reality, like $10,000 in 10 days, like that's just feels absurd to you. You can reduce it a little bit, but it should feel very difficult to do. Um, So, and giving yourself this challenge of like 10 days makes you really get creative about like, okay, like some of the examples of ways to do this, she gives are like, do a yard sale, like call people who owe you money. You know, like it's not, it doesn't have to be glamorous, but when you look for it, there's often money places you may not have expected. Um And another point in this Million Dollars Now section I really liked is she gets really clear on the things you don't need and things you do need. And for example, you don't need a huge mailing list or following on social media. You don't necessarily need a website, business cards, a cool tagline, amazing aesthetics to have it all figured out. Um, what you actually need is a clear offer, some way to tell people about your offer, a price, and a way to take payment. So she's really <laughs> breaking down like the excuses here and oh, yeah. um, I don't know, encouraging us to cut out the clutter and the, the extra stuff. Um, the point, I, like to me, I, the big point here is like, give someone results, right? And like, don't worry about all the fluffy extra
1: stuff. Have a clear thing to sell, be able to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Actually, yes, there are more things you might need to make a business that will last for years, etc But in order to make this money in this like period of time, we don't. And so often we're, we we don't even get started because we're so overwhelmed with everything we think that's ahead. And so this is to me like a proper like down and dirty. This is the actual mm-hmm. real basics of what you need to get going. Just follow this and do it.
0: Yeah. So what would be your one do this now piece of advice for our listeners? Ooh
1: I would say it probably is that exercise on adding adding up your actual dream life. Like, I, I think mm-hmm. I'm quite honest about saying I don't think everyone does need to be on the air. Um, But I think everyone should have an actual understanding of, like, what I class as, like, your version of wealthy. Mm-hmm. Because I think actually it is different for different people just because of the lifestyle you truly like aspire for. And I wouldn't want to tell people to run after money just for the point of money's sake. You know, it's as much as about what the money allows you to do and it's the life it gives you. But getting to actual real grits with what that means for you so that you can have a real number that means something that you understand and like that will help you then to do some of the challenging things that you're going to have to do along the way because you've got the real like strong understanding behind it all. Yeah. That's a good one,
0: mine, I think would be I think it would be to think about delegating um it's certainly the big takeaway I have for myself, but yeah, particularly household stuff, but maybe it's work stuff, like just really thinking through, is there a way that you could delegate some of this, even if it's five hours a week, to open up more time for you to do things that you either care about or that could make generate more income um and so. I think this is something that most people feel like is reserved for people who already have a ton of wealth. And Mm -hmm. her point is that that's not true, that it doesn't have to be true. It can actually be a way of getting there. So yeah, I would just encourage people, A, to read the book because I think she makes the argument better than (laughs) I'm making it. Uh, Definitely she does. But yeah, not only to read the book, but to think about what are you spending a lot of your time on? That is not adding value to your relationships, your business, your life, in any way that someone else could just take on for you.
1: Oh, done. On to the next book? Ooh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um,
0: so next, we alluded to this a little bit. Our next book is The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, which I have not finished yet. So I'm going to have Sherelle tell you why we picked this book.
1: I. I just know it. I you know actually at the top of my head now I'm thinking, why have we chosen it? I know it is probably one of those books that when I first got into business, it got recommended. It actually got recommended in a money mindset community that I'm in. So that's why it makes sense that also Rachel Roger talks about it. And really preparing for trying to give yourself the best, basically, and like taking that leap. I think like the title is pretty self-explanatory. It can be scary to go after making a business. Um, and this book's going to help you to take that leap. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Cheryl. This was a fun one. I'm glad we dug into this. I think it definitely gave me a lot to think about. sounds like we gave you something to think about. Hopefully listeners have a lot to think about. And if you haven't read it, yeah, I would absolutely recommend this one. I think whether or not, whatever stage you're at in your business, um, however you instinctively react to the idea, we should all be millionaires. This book is worth a read. It makes a lot of great points about the power of having money and the way that we can use that to make the world better. Um, so highly encourage you get this one, a read. Um, Sherelle, thank you so much for another episode of Making Good Book Club. No, you're I welcome. cannot wait to talk to you in the next one. This has been one of my favorite episodes of Making Good Book Club so far. And I know it gave me a ton to think about. Sherelle and I both want to hear from you. What did you think of the book and our takeaways? Connect with us on Instagram. Sherelle is at Sherelle Griffith and I'm at Lauren Tilden. Notes from this episode can be found on the show notes page at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 127. As we mentioned in the episode, we've also now announced the book we are covering for next month's episode. Next month's book is The Big Leap Conquer Your Fears and Take Life to the Next Level by Gay Hendricks. This book is all about how we can face our fears, overcome what's called the upper limit problem, and achieve our true potential by living in our zone of genius. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful to have your support. Here are three ways you can give back to making good. One, I would be honored if you would leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. Two, if you have a friend you think would enjoy the podcast, send them the link. And three, I would love for you to take a screenshot of your podcast player while you're listening to the episode and tag me on social media at Lauren Tilden. I would love to cheer you on. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.